You're listening to How to Win with Mike Moore, the podcast that provides you with practical insights on how to win in every arena of life. Hello, I'm Mike Moore, and welcome to another episode of the How to Win podcast. These podcasts are based on 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14. It says, now thanks be unto God who always causes us to triumph. Now tag a friend, let them know that we're live. And remember, you can also get the audio on iTunes or wherever you get your podcast. Here's what I do after every podcast. I will share it to my Facebook friends. Here's what I want you to do. The Bible said that the word grew and prevail. It grows when we hear it embrace it, act on it, but it also grows when we share it. So I want you to use your share button and I want you to get this word out and we're going to partner in establishing God's word. Uh, Now listen at this. I'm talking about false beliefs that rob believers of their financial inheritance. This is our third lesson. False beliefs that rob believers of their financial inheritance. Now, the theme, my theme for this year that I believe God has given me is on godly prosperity. And we're talking about financial prosperity. That's the theme for the year. Now, I'm a pastor, so I realized that as a pastor, you have to feed people in a holistic way. Men have five basic needs, spiritual, mental, emotional physical, social, and financial. And as a pastor, I try to cover these areas, but I also seek God to try to find out, okay, what's the theme? What area do you want me to focus on in this particular area? So we're going to talk about a financial prosperity this year. And at the beginning of the year, the Holy Spirit said to me, focus on mind renewal. Focus on mind renewal. Romans chapter 12, verse 2 says that we're not to be conformed to this world, but to be transformed by the renewing of our minds that you may approve, discern, discover the good and perfect will of God. Now, the new birth, receiving Jesus Christ, being born again, is the rebirth of the human spirit is the rebirth of our human spirit. But nothing happens to our mind, our soul, our mind, emotions, and our will. The Bible tells us that we must renew our minds. The word renew means to make new. It means to renovate. In other words, we have to change our way of thinking because we came into the kingdom, we came into God's kingdom with a mind or a mindset that is out of alignment with God's way of thinking. As it relates to prosperity, we came into the, into the kingdom with a not enough, just enough, good enough mentality. In other words, we came into the kingdom with a struggle mentality, not enough, a survival mentality, just enough, a complacency mentality. Well, that's, that's good enough. 
Now, my renewal is a process, and I'm, I'm, I'm preparing you for what I'm doing this year, and we're going to get into our lesson in a moment. I'm preparing you because I want you to partner with me. I want you to understand my renewal is a process. It takes time. It involves the word. It involves time because our mindset, our unrenewed mind was produced by the authority figures that govern our life and our formative years, repetitious information, our environment, and our experiences. So even though we hear a sermon one time, that doesn't mean our mind is renewed because we spent years developing the mindset that we had, years developing it. And it had a lot to do with our parents and their thoughts about prosperity, our environment, the things that we heard repetitiously in our experiences. So if you came out of an environment that was not progressive, a struggle environment, then you bring that over into the kingdom. So listen, it's going to take two things. It's going to take the word and it's going to take time to renew our minds. It's going to take me teaching the word, but you getting the word, you hearing the word, you meditating on the word, you speaking the word, you acting out on the word to change the way that you are thinking the way I am thinking, the way that we are thinking. So I want you to understand that this is going to be a process this year. There's not going to be a home run. It's not going to be an event, not going to be one sermon, but it's going to be, we're going to hit it over and over and over. And I want you to be diligent, diligent to stay with me and stay in the word and it's going to bless you in the end. Now, false beliefs that rob the believer of their financial inheritance. This is our third lesson. In lesson one or episode one, we talked about money is the root of all evil. We explained to you that's a false belief. In our second episode, we said that wealth, success, and prosperity destroys people. That is a false belief. If you did not hear that, if this is your first episode, go back to episode one, lesson one, episode two, and catch up. Today, I want to give you a third false belief, and I want you to meditate, and I got my iPad here. You can send me your questions, your opinions, and we'll, we'll talk about it at the end. Here's the third false belief. When we get to heaven, we will have all the material things the heart can imagine. When we get to heaven, we will have all the material things the heart or our heart can imagine. I'll say that again. When we get to heaven, we will have all the material things the heart or our heart can imagine. Now, I'm going to attack and rebut this belief about when we get to heaven, this when we get to heaven, we're going to have all these material things. I have four rebuttals, four rebuttals today, and I believe that it's going to help wash out that when we get to heaven, everything going to be all right mentality. Now, listen at this, our first rebuttal. 
Material things, now I must warn you about something. There's some things that I'm gonna say today that's gonna sound a little outlandish. It's gonna sound kind of what people think is materialistic and I talked about what materialism is in, in our previous episode. And it's going to sound like, oh, I'm not sure that's true. That's that prosperity thing. Well, I want you to listen now because I'm going to, you're going to feel a little scratchy in your, your mindset. And when you feel that, that, that tug, that, that resistance in your mindset, it may be because you have an unrenewed mind. Just because you haven't heard it doesn't mean that it's not true. And just because it's not a part of your ideology or your belief system doesn't mean it's some French extreme doctrine. It can be Bible. It's just you were not taught this. Okay. Here's my four rebuttals. Number one, material things were made for the earth, not heaven. Material things were made for the earth, not heaven. Now, listen to Genesis chapter 1. I'm going to give you proof text. Genesis chapter 1, verse 31. Genesis chapter 2, verses 8 through 9. And Genesis 2, verse 12, the King James Version. And God saw everything, thing, that he had made, and behold, it was very good. And the Lord God planted a garden eastward in Eden, and there he put the man whom he had formed. And out of the ground made the Lord God to grow every tree that is pleasant to the sight and good for food, and the goal, G-O-L-D, that of that land was good. Now, allow me to give you some insights from the text that I just read. The first insight is this. God created a material world that he said was good. Now, I want you to think about this. He was in heaven. He lived in a spiritual dimension, a spiritual realm, and God, who is a spirit, created a material, natural world that he said was good. Now, I'm setting you up for a, a, a future a podcast. He said that this natural material world that he created was good. It was not a spiritual world. He didn't create spiritual things in this text. It says God saw everything. Thing, natural material thing that he had made, and behold, it was very good. So God created a material, natural world with natural things in the world that he said was good. Not bad, good. The second insight from the text is that God stopped this material world with the seed, F-E-E-D, the seed of everything, good. He stopped this material, natural world with the seed of everything, good. 
that man would need. And he placed this seed in the ground. Consequently now, everything that we enjoy, everything that we enjoy, whether it be homes, houses, cars, clothes, jewelry, whatever we enjoy, airplanes, uh, whatever we enjoy, computers, the raw material for those things that we enjoy was placed in the earth, in the ground. Everything that we enjoy came out of this material world that God created. Now, here's a, a third interesting insight from the text, a third interesting insight from the text. It says that God placed gold, G-O-L-D, gold in the earth. He placed gold in the earth. Why would you put gold in the earth? What difference does it make? God is not concerned about gold. God is concerned about spiritual things. Why would you put gold in the earth? Now, listen at this. The U.S., adopted the gold standard in 1879. The U.S. adopted the gold standard in 1879 following advanced nations like Britain, Germany, France, and other nations. Now listen at this. The gold standard, the gold standard is a monetary system where a country's currency or paper money has a value that's directly linked to gold. I'll say that again. We operate in the United States by a gold standard. The gold standard is a monetary system where a country's currency or paper money has a value directly linked to gold. For example, for example, if the fixed price of gold is $500 an ounce, now I don't know what it is an ounce right now, but if the fixed price of gold is $500 an ounce, then the value of the dollar, the currency, the dollar would be one five hundredth of an ounce of gold. Notice gold, is linked, directly linked to our currency, our paper money. God knew because he's omniscient. He knew that gold would be connected to currency, connected to money, connected to the media exchange, connected to wealth, connected to increase. And God in his omniscience put gold in the earth. So God is not opposed to you having a gold watch. Now, I'm not preaching you having a gold watch, but if you had one, God is not opposed to that. God gave man dominion in our text, and he told man, be fruitful and multiply and replenish or fill the earth up and subdue it. And man did it. And now we have all these wonderful inventions and wonderful comforts and conveniences because God gave man a dominion mandate because, listen, he wanted man to enjoy creation, his natural material creation. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 7. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 7 says, We brought nothing 
into this world, and it is certain we can carry nothing out. So what am I saying? I'm saying this, that material things were made by God for the earth, not heaven. If you don't enjoy material things now, in this life, you're not going to experience material things. Now, you're going to experience some spiritual things. You're going to experience wonderful things, but you're not going to enjoy material things in heaven because material things were made for the earth. Now, don't, and you may, may need to make a note of this, don't waste now. Don't waste now. There's no heavenly swimming pool in heaven. There, there's, there's none of that stuff in heaven. There's no vacations like that in heaven. Enjoy now. God wants you to enjoy now. It is not sinful. It's not unspiritual for you to enjoy right now because material things were made for the earth, not heaven. Now, here's my second rebuttal. Now, here's what we're talking about. And remember, we're talking about renewing the mind. The scripture says, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. As a man thinketh in, so is he out. As you think on the inside of you, so will be your environment. Your biggest challenge to walking in divine prosperity is not a lack of money, is not people, is not a lack of opportunity. Your biggest problem from a spiritual perspective is an unrenewed mind. Is if you change the inside of you, your natural environment will change. So here's the second rebuttal. Uh, the false belief that we're looking at is when we get to heaven, we will have all the material things the heart can imagine. So here's my second rebuttal to that. God wants his children, and if you're born again, you're his children. God wants you to enjoy material things in this life. Now let's pause for a minute. If you are God's child, then God wants you to enjoy material things in this life. Not heaven, in this life. God did not create this material world and call it good and stock it with good things so you could avoid them, so that you could shun them, so that you could say they are unspiritual. No. God wants you to enjoy material things in this life. Now, if this go against what you traditionally believe, then just follow me all the way through. You can always go back to what you believe. You can always not listen to this again, but I want you to follow me all the way through. I want to give you some proof text from the Scripture. In Deuteronomy chapter 11, verse 10, Deuteronomy 11, verse 10, it says, well, if you go back up to verse 9, Deuteronomy chapter 11, verse 9, God promised the nation of Israel, his people, that he was going to take them into a land flowing with milk and honey. 
flowing with milk and honey. Now, verse 10, he says, for the land where you're going in to possess is not like the land of Egypt from which you came out. It shall be as the days of heaven upon the earth. That's verse 21. He says, the land that you're coming out, see, they were coming out of Egypt, which is a type of the world, and they was going into the promised land, which is a type of the kingdom of God, and he says that the promised land, a type of the kingdom of God, shall not be like Egypt, which is a type of the world. And then in verse 21, we hear God's heart. He says, in this land... It shall be as the days of heaven upon the earth. Now, I want you to listen to me, believer. I want you to listen to me, precious one. Listen, God has always desired that his people enjoy heaven on the earth. When God created the earth, now remember before the fall, when God created the earth, it was God's intent that man on the earth enjoys some heaven on the earth. Now, remember that. Isaiah chapter 1, verse 19. Now, I want you to go back and meditate on these verses. I'm doing the work, okay? I'm digging it out. You got to look it up. You got to meditate on it. You got to confess it. You got to act on it. But I'm doing the homework. I'm doing the groundwork for you. In Isaiah 1, 19, it says, if you're willing and obedient, you will eat the best of the land. That's the New American Standard Bible. The traditional King James says the good of the land. If you're willing and obedient, you will eat the best of the land. The word eat there means to enjoy. He says if you're willing and obedient, you will enjoy, you will experience the good of the land, the King James says, the New American Standard Bible says, you'll enjoy the best of the land. The word good means the finest or best of the land. You shall eat the best that the earth yields, one translation says. It is God's desire. Now, this may go against your traditional thinking. It is God's desire that you not live an average nice lifestyle. God doesn't want you to be an average Christian. He doesn't want you to live an average lifestyle. He doesn't want you to be an average giver. He doesn't want you to live in an average house, drive an average vehicles, live an average life. That is not his plan for your life. Now, I'm trying to renew your mind. The Bible says that if you're willing and obedient, you will eat the best of the land. So think of what is the best of the land. What is the best? What is the finest of the land? That is God's plan for your life. That's what God wants you to do, to experience. He wants you to experience the finest, the best things. And I'm talking material things. I'm not talking spiritual things. I'm talking about material things. He wants you to enjoy the best of the land. Now, Matthew chapter 6, verse 9 through 10. Matthew chapter 6, verse 9 through 10. If you read that whole text, he taught his disciples to pray. He said, now pray this way. 
thy kingdom come, and we're it, it's come. We're in the kingdom. He said, thy will be done, watch this, on earth as it is in heaven. Thy kingdom come, and we're in the kingdom. We're in the kingdom. Colossians 1 says we've been delivered out of the kingdom of darkness. We translated in the kingdom of God's dear son. So we're in the kingdom. We're in the kingdom now. We're in the kingdom. You're in the kingdom. So God told his disciples before he died, pray that the kingdom come, where it's come. But he also said, pray that the Father's will in heaven be done in the earth. In other words, God has always wanted his people to enjoy heaven the way heaven is in the earth. Now think about it. He put gold. This Bible said there's streets of gold, and that's a spiritual realm. Then he put gold in the earth, natural gold, natural material substance in the earth. Why? Because he wanted his people to enjoy what he enjoyed in heaven. He wanted them to enjoy it in the earth. And then in Matthew 6, 33, he said that if we just seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, in other words, his right way of doing things, and that's what I'm teaching on Sundays, and you can get us on Facebook on Sundays uh, at 9.30. Facebook, iTunes, other different social media for formats. You can get us on Sunday at 9.30. I'm talking about prospering in bad times, and I'm teaching you righteousness. I'm teaching you God's way of doing things. He said that if we seek him for the kingdom and his way of doing things, he said all these things and if you read Matthew 6, he's not talking about spirituals. He's not talking about joy and, and peace and, and long-suffering. He's talking about take no thought for your life, what you shall eat and what you shall drink. He's talking about clothes. He's talking about material things. See, God is not opposed to you having material things. He said, if you will seek first his kingdom and his way of doing things, he said, all these things things, material things, will be added to you. Mark 10, I'm, I'm sharing with you, God wants you to enjoy material things in this life, in this life, not heaven, in this life. Now listen at this. Mark 10, verse 28, verse 30. Mark 10, 28, Mark 10, 10 chapter, verses 28 through 30. In verse 28, Peter said to Jesus, hey, listen, we've left everything. We left everything. Now, when, we, when, Jesus, when Peter said we've left everything, he didn't leave his family. In other words, he didn't. The, Peter had a wife. If you search the scripture over in Luke and over in Matthew, the Bible says that Peter brought Jesus to his house. So he had a house. Peter had a house. He didn't leave that. He had a house. And then he, the Bible says that Jesus prayed for Peter's wife's mother. That was his mother-in-law. So Peter had a wife. He had a mother-in-law. He had a family. So when, Jesus, when Peter said, we've left all, he wasn't saying, we just got I got divorced from my wife and I left my children. He wasn't talking about that. He was saying, we put you first. We put the kingdom first. 
Now listen what Jesus said. There is no man, I'm, I'm quoting Mark 10, 20 through 30. He said, there is no man who has left house, brothers, sisters, fathers, mothers, wife, children, lands for my sake and the gospel. When he said left, he's not talking about the fact that he doesn't have a family and he, he divorced his wife and he left his children. He's talking about there's no man who has put him first, his purpose first, God's will first. He said, no man has done that, but he shall receive a hundredfold. Now watch this. Now in this time, and then he says, houses and brethren and sisters and mothers and children and lands. Notice he talking about, he said, if you follow me, there may be some relationships that you may lose. He said, but I'll give you relationships. He wasn't saying go out and divorce your wife and all that kind of stuff. But he says there are going to be some people who may not like it, who will not support it. But he said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to bless you with everything you need. I'm going to bless you with relationships. I'm going to enrich your relationship. In fact, I've been married 42 years, and because of the kingdom, because of God, because of the word, my marriage is enriched. It has been enriched by the word and by the kingdom. He said, I'll give you a hundredfold now in this time, and notice he put houses and lands there, and he says, with persecution, you're going to be persecuted. Then he says, in the, world, in the world to come, eternal life. Now notice two things in juxtaposition. position. I want you to get this. He says, I'm going to bless you now in this time. Now in this time, go ahead and read it. Mark chapter 10, verse 30. He says, now in this time, and he says, and in the world to come. That's heaven. That's the future. He said, now in this time, this realm, God said, I'm going to bless you in this realm. I'm going to bless you in your earthly existence. And then he says, and in the world to come. He said, I'm going to bless you in the world to come. So you're going to get a hundredfold return here and a hundredfold return in the future. Now, that's God's plan. Now, listen at this. And here's my final proof text under this second rebuttal. 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 2. 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 2. I hope you're getting something out of this. I got my iPad here. I see a comment. I see a question. I'm going to answer your, I'm going to read your comments, answer your questions at the end of my uh, discourse. 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 8 says, for bodily exercise, profiteth little. Now, the word little doesn't mean a little bit. It means for a little time. Prof bodily exercise profiteth for a little time. But godliness is profitable. Now, I want you to get it. God says that bodily exercise profiteth for a little time. In other words, in this life we're living in, bodily exercise is profitable. It's profitable exercise. It's profitable to watch your weight. It's profitable to do or uh, to rest. It's profitable to do. He said bodily exercise, taking care of your body, is profitable in this life. But he said this life is just a little time. Compared to eternity, it's a little time. But he said bodily exercise, profit is little. But godliness, 
is more profitable. It says godliness is profitable. Watch this. Unto all things, having promise of the life that's now is and of that which is to come. The life that's now is and the life which is to come. The life that's now is and the life which is to come. Now, you notice God says godliness, living for God, following God, obeying God is profitable to all things. It's profitable for the life that you're living now and it's profitable for the life you're going to experience in eternity. Now, that tells me that God is not uh, negligent he, he, he doesn't want you to go without things now. <clears throat> God knows you're living in the now, so he wants you to have what you need now. So the second rebuttal is God wants his children to enjoy material things in this life. Now, here's my third, my third rebuttal. Material things legally belong to you if you are a Christian. Material things legally belongs to you if you're a Christian. Now, I'm going to give you proof text because I don't want to just say something off the cuff and then, you know, are oh, you just making that stuff up? Listen to what it says in Psalms 115, verse 16. Psalms 115, verse 16. It says, the heaven, even the heavens are the Lord's, but the earth he's given to the sons to the children of men. The Bible says that the earth, the heavens belong to God, but the earth he gave to men. He gave the earth to humanity. He gave the earth to us. Romans 4.13, Romans 4.13, I'll give you these scriptures because my renewal means you're going back, you're going to look up the text, you're going to meditate on it, confess it, Act on it. Romans 4.13, Romans 4.13 in the King James Version says, for the promise that he, Abraham, should be the heir of the world, heir of the world, was not to Abraham or to his seed through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. God made a promise to Abraham, according to this verse, he made a promise to Abraham that Abraham would be the heir of the world, and he made this promise to his seed. Romans 4.13, same verse, the New Living Translation says, clearly God promised to give the whole earth to Abraham and his descendants was based not on his obedience to God's laws, but on a right relationship with God that comes by faith. So we see in this text that God promised Abraham the world, the earth. He promised to make Abraham the heir of the earth, the world, and to his seed. Galatians 3.29 in the New Living Translation says, And now that you belong to Christ, you are the true children of Abraham, that's us, Christians. We're the true children of Abraham. You are his heirs, and God's promise to Abraham belongs to you. 
So the, what God promised Abraham, he promised Abraham that he should be the heir of the world. That's what Romans 4.13, the heir of the world. But he didn't just promise that to Abraham. He promised that to Abraham's seed. And the Bible says if we belong to Christ, if we're believers, if we're Christians, then we're Abraham's seed, and God's promise to Abraham belongs to us. Material things legally belong to you if you are a Christian. Now, one last verse on that rebuttal. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 21 through 22. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 1, 21 through 22 in the New Living Translation. It says, so don't boast about following a particular human leader for everything belongs to you. I'll read that again. This is 1 Corinthians 3.21. It says in the New Living Translation, so don't boast about following a particular human leader for everything belongs to you. And then in verse 22, he lists a category of what belongs to Christians. He lists a category, an inventory of the possessions of the church and the possessions of the individual believer. So in verse 22, 1 Corinthians 3.22, there's an inventory list of things that belong to the church, an inventory list that belongs to individual believers. And the first thing he says that what belonged to the church, he said, Paul, Apollos, and Peter belong to you. He's talking about the ministry gifts. So he says now, listen, don't boast about following some particular leader. Don't compare them. Don't compare Apollos to Paul and Peter. Don't compare Pastor Mike to Pastor so-and-so to Prophet so-and-so. And don't go around talking about, that's my pastor. He's better than this pastor. He said, no, 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 no. He said, don't do that. All things belong to you. The ministry gifts belong to you. The apostles belong to you. The prophets belong to you. The pastors belong to you. The teachers belong to you. You may, evangelists belong to you. You may be in a particular church and you love your pastor. You honor your pastor. But that doesn't mean you can't learn from some other pastor. Maybe it's a podcast or maybe you're not even a member of my church. But you can learn from me because all the ministry gifts belong to us. But he also says some other things. He said the world belongs to you. And I'll talk about that in a minute. He says the life belongs to you. Your life, think about it. You can decide when you die, I know that's, that's different. I know that's different. I know that's different. But I got a teaching call uh, uh, that I deal with long life, health is strong, long. I deal with long life. And I believe that a person can determine how they die and when they die. I don't believe that's just whenever God wants you to go, you can go. He said life belongs to you. He said death. I think we can control death. Like 
COVID-19, people are dying from COVID-19 today. I believe that you can stand on the word and choose not to die. In fact, all the, all the time I'm confessing over my life, my family, no no plague can come near me. COVID-19, you can't steal me. You can't steal my life. You can't take my life. No, I don't receive infection. I don't receive sickness. I don't receive death. I don't receive that. You can, you can control that. You can say death. No, no, no. With long life, I'm going to live. Long life. Then he say, the things that are present belong to you. The things that are come belong to you. All things are yours. But he said, the world belongs to you. That's in the 22nd verse, 1 Corinthians 3, 22. What does that mean? The world belongs to us? Listen, Kenneth Woos, who was a Greek New Testament scholar, says that the world, the word world, W-O-R-L-D, means the existing order of material things. The existing order of material things. The existing order of material things belong to you. The existing order of material things belongs to us. Now, we're dealing with this false belief, and I'm working it hard, too. I'm working it hard. And here again, I'm going to answer your questions. I'm going to give you comments at the end. When we get to heaven, we will have all the material things the heart can imagine. I am saying that is a false belief. Number one, because material things were made for the earth, not heaven. Number two, God wants his children to enjoy material things in this life. Number three, material things legally belong to you if you're a Christian. Now, here's number four. Here's number four, and I'm going to finish right here, and I'm going to go to your questions, and I'm going to read your comments. You can send them now. Here's the fourth rebuttal. Here's the fourth rebuttal. Christians don't have to choose between material things and Christ. You don't have to choose between material things and Christ. I'm going to say it again. You don't have to choose between having material things or having Christ. You don't have to choose. Now, I know what you're thinking, but I want, I'm trying to tear that thinking out. It is not an either-or situation. It is not an either-or situation. It is not Jesus or material things. Now, I know you've heard that. I know you heard that. I know you heard that. Choose Jesus or choose material things. I know you heard that. I know you heard that. But that's not true. That's not the Bible. That's not the Bible. You, you remember that song years ago? I hated that song. It was a beautiful song. It sounded wonderful. I liked the melody. I liked the harmony. I liked the, the sound of it. But it was so unscriptural. And I'm not talking against the, the person who wrote the song. And if you hear this lesson and you wrote this song, it's not an attack on you. It's not, I'm not putting you down. I'm talking the content of the song. I'd rather have Jesus 
than still and go. You remember that song? You remember that song? I'd rather have you. See, some of y'all, that was your, some of you all, that was your bad. You love that song. You love that song. That song was so unscriptural. I'd rather have Jesus than to have silver and gold. The Bible never told you that. It's not in the scriptures. I know what you're thinking. I know what you're thinking. Matthew chapter 6, verse 24 says, No man can serve two masters. Yeah, I knew you were thinking about that. No man can serve two masters, either mammon or God. You can't serve two masters. Now, remember what the text says. You can't serve two masters. Can't serve them. You, you, you're going to serve material things or you're going to serve God. See, what this text is talking about, you can't have two gods. You can't have two gods. You can't have two uh uh, idols, or you can't have two gods. You can't be serving money or material things and serving God. Now listen at this. Jesus is talking about priorities. He's not talking against you having material things. He's talking about priorities. That's why he said in Matthew 6, 33, seek First, the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and then all these things will be added. It's obvious that he's not teaching about things because in verse 25, actually all the way up verse 19, Matthew 6, 19, all the way down to verse 33, he's teaching us how to prosper and get our needs met in the kingdom. He's not talking about not having things, he's talking about not serving them. He's talking about priorities there. Now listen at this. We're not to serve material things. We're to serve God. Material things should serve us. They're our servants. Material things are, are tools that we use. Material things are blessings. They bless us, okay? And we bless the blesser. The material things is not the blesser. God is the blesser. But he blesses us with material things. And those things make life comfortable for us, but we use those things as tools. That's what he's talking about. Now listen at this verse, and I'm going to close with this text right here. I'm going to close with this text. In Romans chapter 8, verse 32, you have to read it. You have to read it. If you read Romans 8, 32 in the King James Version, you will see why I said that song about I'd rather have Jesus than to have silver and gold. You'll see that's building in us. I, another author was saying that if I had to choose one or the other, I would choose Jesus. And I understand the intent of the author of the song, but what it does, it builds in us, the song builds in us an either-or situation. It's either Jesus or it's either silver and gold. It's either Jesus or silver and gold. It's that kind of singing and believing and saying that's hindering us and walking in a high level of prosperity. Romans 8.32 
He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he, how shall he not with him freely give us all things? Now, I'm going to read that again. Romans chapter 8, verse 32. He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not, Let's go back to the first part. He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all. He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all. Now, we all know what that means. God gave his son. Jesus gave his life for us. He that spared not his own son, God didn't spare his son, but delivered him up for us all. We all believe that part. We all believe that part of the verse. Now, here's the part that we fail to believe. How shall he, the Father, not with him, Jesus, with Jesus, also, also freely give us all things? With Jesus, with Jesus, also freely give us all things? With Jesus, with Jesus, with Jesus also, so we wouldn't miss it. He said, with Jesus also, with Jesus also, with Jesus also, freely give us all things. With him means to accompany him. It means together with him. It means that God gave us more than Jesus. He gave us Jesus first because he's the most important. But the Bible says with him, with Jesus, with Jesus, accompany with Jesus, together with Jesus, also, the word also means in addition to, plus, Jesus plus, Jesus in addition to, he freely gives us all things. So when I look at that text, I see right away that I don't have to choose one or the other. I see from that text as a believer that I can have both. I can have both Jesus and material things. I can have Jesus and material things. I can have Jesus and material things. You can have Jesus and you can have material things. Now, that, that concludes our lesson for today. All I'm trying to do is renew the mind. I listen to these things over and over and over and over. And if you go back and listen to it, and if you feel any way you're out of alignment with Scripture, then you got to replace what God says with what you thought or what you believe. Now, I got a question and I got a comment. When the word of God says many mansions in John 14, 2, what is he referring to? That's a good question. Now, here is my belief, and, 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 and there may be other scholars who may dig a little deeper than me. Uh, I believe that he's literally, in my opinion, talking about homes, mansions. I believe he's talking about houses. Now, this, in he heaven is a, a real place. It's not a, 
figment of our imagination. It's not a fantasy. It's not a myth. Heaven is a real place, like Birmingham is a real place. New York is a real place. San Francisco is a real place. Uh, Canada is a real place. It's a real place. And, and, and the Bible communicates in, in Romans chapter 1, it talks about how the things that are seen, we do understand the invisible things of God from the things that are seen, Romans chapter 1, verse 20. So what I believe the text is saying, that what God did is he wanted some things that were in heaven in the earth. And he gave man the dominion mandate to bring it to pass. But I believe, based on Scripture, that there are homes, the Bible calls mansions, in heaven. I believe these houses have furniture in them. I believe that there's streets in heaven. I believe that there are buildings in heaven. I believe that there's rivers and lakes and mountains in heaven. I believe that there are people in heaven. I believe that there are animals in heaven. I believe that, but I believe that is a spiritual realm, okay? There are no physical bodies. There are people, but there's no physical bodies. When people die, their bodies go in the grave, and God will one day bring up a, a glorified body, but there's no physical bodies in heaven. There's no physical houses in heaven. There's no physical things, material things in heaven, but there are real things in heaven, and they have spiritual tangibility. In other words, in the same way that I touch this book, this Bible right now, I'm touching this Bible. It is a material thing. There's a book in heaven. It, 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 has, it has records in it. You see that in Revelation, it has records. But it's not a spirit, it's not a natural book. But if you're in that realm, it has spiritual tangibility. It would be just as real. You walk in this house, it's your mansion. It's got all these things you desire in it. I believe that with all my heart. These beautiful mountains, beautiful lakes, beautiful place, nothing but beauty there, no, no death there, but it has spiritual tangibility. It's spiritual. It's not natural, but it's spiritual tangibility there, and there are real people, spiritual beings. Your body, you have a spiritual body that lives in this body now. And when you die, this spiritual body that has hands and eyes and can talk, this spiritual body goes to heaven. So it is a spiritual realm. It is a spiritual dimension. It's a spiritual place, but it has dimensions. So I believe that is a reference to real houses and mansions that we're going to live in. I think that's an outstanding question. Here's a comment. I always said heaven isn't going to be like we're living here on earth because if it is, there will be hell in heaven. Our mind is going to be renewed from the podcast. Thank you, Pastor Mike, for giving me more understanding. Uh, it's, it, heaven is going to be a lot like the earth minus the curse. In other words, before the curse came, there was no death. Leaves never faded, fruit never rotten, uh, people didn't age, 
There was no sickness, no poverty, no strife, no division, no prejudice, no none of that. And there was no death in the environment, no hurricanes, tornadoes, uh, grass and turn, brown in the wintertime and green in the summer. It's just colorful year-round. It's just colors, beautiful, bright colors and, and excellence all over the place. So it's going to be things that we've never imagined, but there are going to be a lot of things that are consistent with this life. They're just going to be on another level. Uh, I'm coming. I'm definitely learning from you, Pastor, all the way from Texas. Thank you. Hey, Texas, good to have you here. Good to have you. Praise the Lord for you. Question, why is it people believe that we must be poor to serve and be a Christian? I'm going to talk about that. I'm going to talk about that next week. Okay. I, I, I wanted to deal uh, first with this success, wealth, prosperity. Uh, uh, material success and prosperity. I want to deal with it first because we all messed up with that. You know, we 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 got this thing that we got to choose this and choose that, and this is bad, and that. and I wanted to deal with that first. Now, in our next uh, episode, I'm gonna talk about poverty. I'm gonna talk about poverty, and 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 try to weed out some false beliefs. So I'll answer that question. Uh, next week. Also, was Jesus' disciple considered poor or rich man? Um, I wasn't going to talk about that in this in this teaching, but I, I'll get to that. I don't believe that Jesus was poor, and I know we've heard that. I don't believe, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do a whole thing on that. I don't believe the disciples were poor. I give you, I give you, I give you, I give you, I give you one one example of disciples. Jesus said, the poor, he's talking to his disciples, the poor you have with you always, and you can give to them anytime. Does that sound like they poor? That wouldn't even make sense for him to say to the disciples, the poor you have with you always, and you can give to them anytime, but me, you don't have with you always. Well, it sounds like Jesus is not the poor, and they are not the poor. We'll get into that, but that, that's, a, that's a good question. Um, question, if a person is giving their tithes and bringing their offerings, but they're still not receiving their prayers answered, could it be still not being obedient and willing? Well, that's a good question, but let me tell you something. You, you, can, you can tithe and give offerings and have an unrenewed mind. That's why in my series on prospering in bad times, I'm dealing with the laws that govern prosperity, and the very first law I dealt with was mind renewal. See, a lot of people think just giving money and tithing, I'm trying to give you a holistic look of, of the laws that govern kingdom. I'm not just talking about giving and receiving. I'm talking about mind renewal. I'm talking about the confession of your mouth. I'm talking about uh, love. I'm talking about patience. I'm talking about all those things so you have a holistic look. So 
it could be that a person is not willing and obedient. But I think the major reason why people who tithe and give offerings, because usually people like that have heard the word and they believe it and they're acting on it. But I think a lot of times people don't take the time and meditate on the word so they don't have a renewed mind. Let me, let me say this because this question is so very important, so very important. Now, you, you sow your financial seeds, you tithes and offerings, you're giving, and then there's a promise connected to it. The windows of heaven blessing, it give and it shall be given unto you. It's your faith that hooks up to the promise. Not just your gift, not just your money, it's your faith. God said, do this and I'll do that. Okay, it's your faith that hooks into the promise. It's your faith that brings the promise to pass. Faith comes by hearing. So you have many Christians, they're tithing, and they're giving, but they never meditate on the word. They never listen to the word. So what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to dig it out because some Christians don't know how to find it. They don't know what the scriptures are. I'm digging it out, and I'm kind of spoon-feeding. So all you got to do is go back and meditate it, get it in you, confess it, act on it, and then it begin to work. Some Christians are giving, but, but, but they're not meditating. They're not meditating in the Word. They're not spending time in the Word. That's why I'm going through all these scriptures, and I'm saying this is this scripture, this is this scripture, so that you can go back and meditate it. The problem is not external. And for some Christians, the problem is not that they're not giving. The problem is that they're poor on the inside. As a man thinketh in... So is their environment. They're poor on the inside. The only thing that changes you and make you rich on the inside is getting the word in you. I'm glad you asked that question because so many Christians, they're totally ignoring the word. And I'm throwing word, but they won't go back. They don't listen to the uh, CD. They don't listen to the app. They don't listen to it. And they say, well, I'm tired and I'm giving. But the Bible says we're to meditate in the word day and night. We'll make our way prosper. Not let it depart from our life. Meditate. Giving is one part of it. But he told us to meditate in the word. So I'm giving the word. But many Christians, they are ignoring that part. They don't ever go back and listen to it. They hear it one time, got that, gone about their business. Listen, let me explain this. This is so important that I want to explain this. I listened to one CD of a teaching, and I won't tell you what it was because you'll, you'll make it a formula. I listened to that one CD 364 days in a row. I missed one day that year. 300, I kept, I wanted to hear it. I wanted to get it down on the inside of me. I wanted to meditate on it. I wanted to meditate on And now I hear something on healing and something on prosperity on a regular basis. The same thing, I'm getting it down on the inside of me because I spent years not hearing it. Think about it. I spent years hearing, if you get a Cadillac, you, you're going to you're backslide. If, if you get this, you may backslide. You may become carnal. I heard that for years. And some of you, you've been in churches for years and never heard anything on prosperity. So you got all that in you. So you have to spend time getting the word out of you. Listen, I got um, I, I got to go. I thank you for your questions. You ask great questions, but we got to get out of here. I love you. 